Welcome to Lessons Learned. For UK Sailmakers, I'm Buttons Padin. Recently, I had the opportunity to speak with UK Sailmakers lead designer, Pat Considon. He's at their Chicago loft. The topic we discussed was asymmetrical spinnaker design. Now, as someone who's trimmed spinnakers for a lifetime, it was fascinating to hear from Pat what goes into the design of an asym. Our conversation started out with Pat explaining why he thinks an asym spinnaker is the hardest sail to design. A symmetric spinnaker is very easy to design, basically because it's a symmetric sail, so there's no twist involved because each side has to be the same. You get into an asymmetrical spinnaker and it's very, very difficult to design. One of the most difficult sails to design, in my opinion. The luff is free flying. You have to define where that luff will be. There's twist in the leech. Okay. Many more things to consider. Whereas a symmetrical spinnaker has two luffs. Here yep. you've got a leech and a luff. Correct. Talk to me about how you design in the twists and the leech. I mean, I understand how you would do it in an upwind sail. But it's mm -hmm. interesting to think of a spinnaker as having twist. The sail will twist. If you think about it, uh, let's start with an example of a sail that's uh, on a very tight reach. You've got it trimmed in very tight. The foot of the sail gets flatter, and you're taking twist out of the leech. And as you start to ease that sheet out, the foot's getting deeper, and the twist is increasing. The, the, the clue will raise up. Sure, it'll follow up the uh, angle of wherever the sheet is, and as you ease it out, yes. As somebody who's spent his life trimming spinnakers uh, and fighting to keep the luff firm and all, but not too firm, right? how do you design the sail's luff to make it more forgiving? Uh, to make it more forgiving, in general, we can just say that the entry of the sail is going to be a little bit rounder. More cloth, longer panels. No, let's just call, let's say we're talking a cross-sectional shape of the spinnaker, just like you would take a cross-sectional shape of a headsole. So if we compare a headsole like a heavy number one, very flat entry, um, if that sail is going to be easy to steer, you have to have some curvature in the front end. Otherwise, there's going to be no groove. Same thing will go for a spinnaker in offshore situations. If you have a, let's call it the entry is a little bit more round, then the sail is more forgiving. Okay, what about the leech? The leech in an offshore situation, we probably aren't going to change too much. We have the same controls on the leech to make the spinnaker uh, round in the back end or flat in the back end, and it comes more down to the type of spinnaker it is. If it's a uh, reaching spinnaker, you want to be flatter in the back end so that you don't get overpowered as quickly. Versus if it's a running sail, more in light air, that back end is going to be a little bit rounder. I believe a key measurement in a an asymmetrical spinnaker is your SMG, your your midline girth, right? Mm -hmm. How would that be different in an offshore versus a an inshore sail? Well, first off, usually in an offshore sail, you're tending to be running, going VMGing downwind. You're usually reaching more. So any reaching sail is going to have a smaller mid-girth than a running sail. So therefore, in offshore situations, you'll be looking at mid-girths 98% of the foot down to 90% uh, of the foot, depending on uh, if it's A3 or an A5. And inshore? Inshore, a lot of times your goal is uh, running downwind VMG. Therefore, your mid-girth... Uh, 
is going to be wider. Cell designed to rotate out in front of the boat. Room. I mean, would it be up to 100% of the, the, the foot? It will be up to, uh, well, in extreme scenarios, it can be 110% of the foot. Okay. The other thing to consider when you look at the uh, mid girth also is that most of the rating rules, they add up the area of the cell and IRC, ORC, et cetera, they all quote, penalize the middle of the cell more than the foot of the cell. So that means you can build a more powerful lower section? What it means is uh, you can take the formula and say they're both 100 square meter cells, but a runner, say it has a mid-girth that's 105% versus the foot, will actually have a smaller surface area than a reaper of the same size. Making the formulas penalizing the mid girth more than it is the foot of the cell and calculating its area. What about materials? Materials, Maybe yes. We're still talking offshore, inshore. Offshore, inshore, we're still talking all nylon. It's definitely all nylon. And as you get more toward an offshore cell, you will have a tendency to use a uh, heavier, more robust material. Um, so that it can survive uh, some collapses and refills. And a lot of times in offshore scenarios, you're, to do that, you're more apt to use a blend of uh, different materials, heavier materials in the loft of the cell, heavier materials in the corners of the cell. And that's part of the finishing? It's part of the finishing or the basic, uh, the construction, the construction end of things. The structured loft spinnakers? Yes. An inshore operation, an inshore option, or? Yes, when uh, uh, structured loft all came about uh, basically through Code Zero sales, when Code Zeros first came out, they were all designed to have an extremely tight loft, and therefore the loading on the loft of the sale was pretty extreme. So what we've gone to, and most everyone's gone to, is what they call a structured loft and or shared loft loads. So now a Code Zero type sale is designed to be most effective and fastest when the luff is actually not ground up tight. So what happens is the loads are greatly reduced with the cable. So you still have a free flying luff. And uh, by doing so, by having the cell not as tight on the luff, the luff of the cell will project forward. The material that UK Sailmakers is using for their structured luffs is the, the same material you're using in the titanium uh, upwind sails? So we've done uh, several that construction where the actual front of the cell, a load path uh, section of the cell that can share the loading with the cable. Is there um, is there anything you as the designer would do differently when you're you're building those spinnakers for a masthead versus a fractional rig? You know, back in the day, there was a lot of consideration for that. Uh, everybody wanted to do a fractional sail to get the head of the sail, you know, out away from the mainsail, et cetera. I think now it comes down to more the aspect ratio of the asymmetrical cell itself. It is, uh, to me, a bigger determination of how you want to set up your geometry of the sail versus if it's a masthead or fractional. Okay, so it's just portionally smaller sale. Correct. Okay, it's not a different design. It's not a different 
So now the difference is not, let's take the J105, for example, it's a fractional spinnaker, but because the J105 is, let's call it a uh, relatively slow boat, as you put the bow up, the boat's not necessarily increasing in speed. So the whole game there is to sail as deep as you can. Basically, we're not really looking into a sail that has to be smaller and narrower because it's a fractional rig. Um, we're still in that scenario looking for making the widest spinnaker that we can. And that's that's an 105, which you're describing as a slower boat. But right. what do you do on a, a faster boat? You faster do... boat's always going to be sailing at uh, closer apparent wind angles. So in that scenario, the sails are quite different. Uh, asymmetrical for a faster boat, the midgers are always smaller than the foot. Because they, they, regardless of whether where they're pointed, they're still reaching more than running. They're still reaching, and uh, when in doubt, put the bow up and go faster. I mean, would a TP-52 have an A-2 versus an A-1? I mean, would they have running sails? They, they, they do have A-2s, but their A-2s are quite different than an A-2 on a very slow boat. What about self-purling spinnakers? How do you design them differently? How do you build them differently? Some of the things we learned about furling spinnakers, there's two ways to do it. There's a top-down furler where the, the torsion cable is uh, external from the luff of the sail. So you still have a free-flying luff. And then you also have a version where the cable is in a sleeve on the luff of the sail. And that's a bottom-up furling? Then that can be a bottom-up furler. So there's two there types of furlers, yeah. Is there an advantage to one versus the other? The If you have a sail where the cable is external of the luff, then the sail can be designed more for running. The sail will still, uh, you can still have the luff of that sail project out to weather and rotate a little bit more for running. Some of the things that help that sail furl better is the clue has to be uh, lower than you would like in a normal sail. When you're furling, keeps the upper part of the sail from getting pretty messy. I'm looking, I'm thinking back to the ideal 18. So we sail all the time in the roller furling jib. You know, if you don't do it right, it's a mess. And then if you go to the other sails where the cable is inside the luff of the sail, they tend to be smaller, flatter reaching sails because there's no way to get the luff of the sail with the cable on the inside of it to rotate out in front of boat or rotate to weather to be a running sail. Not everybody's buying an ordering spinnakers with cable or that are self-furling but of those that are is there a preference one versus the other the tendency right now and it's uh, pretty big in a lot of multi-hulls and etc is sales with the cable that is in the luff in the luff yes inside the sleeve in the luff well and the multi-hulls are going to have tighter they're going to have tighter winds anyways right there's a bit of an issue with the cells that have the external cable. They're not 100% foolproof. So if you look at uh, some of the, uh, like a class 40 that are single handing, double handing these boats around the world with unlimited budgets. Yeah. Unlimited budgets, there you go. And guess what they use? Uh, they use uh, external cable. No, they use no cable. They use okay. a, a sock, a spinnaker sleeve. Double-handed, cruising divisions, whatever, even to jibe. They pull the sock down, jibe. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Talk about the risk-reward, right? Yep, exactly. What design programs do you use for spinnakers? 
we use the uh, BSG software package. It's the same package we use for mainsoles, headsoles, et cetera. Do you have them do any tweaks to the program, particularly for UK sailmakers? Sure. It's uh, not a static program, so they are constantly upgrading it, taking suggestions from people on ways to improve the program. So it's an ongoing entity. And you've been using it for a decade? Yeah, longer than that. I think we first got it in 2002, I believe. Let me shift gears. I've got a new boat. I've got a 45-footer, and I'm here on the East Coast, and you're in Chicago, and you're going to design sails for me and send them off. Tell me stories about people that get their sails right out of the box, and they love them. Sure. Uh, with our design software, we can create right in the software, basically the boat. So we know exactly where the spinnaker pad ice, the spinnaker block is. We know how long the bowsprit is. We know the luff length. We can come up with a target uh, area that they're looking for. We will look at uh, the type of boat it is to see what kind of wind angles it's going to be sailing at in general. We'll need to know the expectations of the customer. Are they doing offshore stuff? Are they doing inshore stuff? All that comes into account now, what we're going to design for that particular customer. So you actually create a digital version of the boat in a, and the rig, putting in the criteria for how fast it's going to go and things of that. Yep. Matter. Yep. And then you create templates for the particular sale. You put it on in the flying shape on this. Put it on there, put it in a flying shape. Yeah, a lot of it will depend on, you know, what type of inventory they're doing that takes into consideration if they're doing, you know, five downwind sales or if they're doing one downwind sale. All that comes into consideration. When would you recommend to a customer that their spinnaker not be all the same nylon, but it be a blend? Anytime they want to expand the range of one spinnaker, then we will look at using different materials when you're mm -hmm. blending it, I would assume that you're blending heavier and lighter, stronger and weaker materials. Correct. Where in the layout of the spinnaker do you put the heavier cloth versus the lighter cloth if you want to extend the range up or if you want to extend the range down? Uh, most of the loading through an asymmetrical spinnaker, the stronger material is going to go up in the luff of the sail. Um, and of course, coming out of the corner of the sail, um, so there's uh, quite a few options we can do to extend the range up and down. Yes. Obviously, the most loads in the corner, uh, but as you get away from the corners of the cell, the loads decrease. Uh, the middle of the cell can be quite light material versus the material that can go into the corners. Because world sailing has prohibited us from throwing anything into the water, including rotten cotton and yarn and things of that sort. Yep. The different sailmakers have come up with different designs to pre-band yep. the, the spinnakers. What is UK Sailmakers using this day? What are you recommending? What do you like? We do both the banding and the zipper system. The banding is good. Uh, we can go up to 40, 40 plus footers with the banding system. And anything bigger than that, we would recommend the zipper system. Pat, explain to me the numerical system and how we, we talk about spinnakers, A1, A2, A3. Uh, pretty simple. The uh, odd-numbered sails, A1, A3, A5, would all be designed for reaching. And the lower the number, the lighter the wind. So an A1 is a lighter reacher, and A5 is a heavier reacher. 
The even number sails are designed for running in the same scenario. A2 is a lighter runner and A4 is a heavier runner. One other thing is the A1.5 versus an A1 or an A3. Yep, yep. Is that just, it's like going from a, a, a heavy one to a two to a three? But a lot of people, what they're really looking for is a cell that reaches a little bit better than their A2, but they don't want it to be totally down to the A1. So they're looking for a cell that has a range of both the wind speed and angles that are in between an A1 and an A2. When I look at an A1.5 or an A2.5 for that matter, I have to look and see what type of boat it is. It's a transitional sail. It's a transitional sail. It's the luff of the sail is not going to rotate out in front of the boat as much as an A2. And do symmetrical spinnakers have a similar numbering system? Yes, they do. I mean, it's, it matches. It matches. You change the A to an S, so you have an S1, S2, S3, S4. Here's here's an interesting question that that I've had, and you know I've, I go back 20 years ago when when A sims were becoming the rage, and yep. you didn't snug the tack all the way down because you'd have it up a little bit and you could see which you could see which way it floated and all that. Why don't we do that anymore? What changed? I think what happened and why people got into that is because class rules, like the J105, for example, the luff length. Uh, the maximum model luff length in the class rules is too short. Therefore, people compensate by letting the uh, tack of the sail go up. Allow me to ask you one final question. You know, with the upwind sails, with the titanium and with the X-Drive made by UK sailmakers, one of their advantages over regular string sails by being load path sails is uh, their durability. Does durability become a factor in spinnakers? Do spinnakers blow out? Do they wear sure. out? Sure. There are quite a few uh, options and materials uh, when you're going to construct the sale with the pretty wide range of uh, pricing in the materials themselves. There is uh, what we call the uh, cheaper nylon that is about half the price of the good racing nylon stuff. So you have to be careful what you're selling the customer. So if I buy, shall we say, the less expensive nylon option, mm -hmm. um, and I try to race with it, my sail is going to probably be rounder. You can, yes. It'll be stretchier, get softer, quicker over time. And um, and that means my performance is going to be a little bit more dicey on the water? A little bit more mediocre, yes. The less expensive material tends to be a little bit softer, whereas uh, the racing materials tend to be, let's call it, crispier. They have that feeling that they're right. very crispy. I'd like to thank Pat Considine for sharing his thoughts on asymmetrical spinnaker designs. This is Buttons Padine saying, see you on the next episode of Lessons Learned. And from everybody at UK Sailmakers, sail confidence. <laughs>